Why world missions? Why should the local church here in North America be concerned about fulfilling the Great Commission beyond our own community here in Salina or whatever the church is here in North America and go out into other nations? Well, because as we have been seeing throughout our message series that we've been doing the last couple of months in the New Testament book of Hebrews, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You see, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus is talking with his followers just before he goes to the cross to be crucified for the sins of people and take on the consequences of those sins on himself and and before he is raised that third day after his death from from the grave. And, And he's telling his followers about this and he's saying, hey, I'm going to go back to heaven and I'm going to prepare a place for you so that I can come back and get you so that you can be with me where I am one day when your life here on earth is over. And he says to them, you know the way I am going and where I am going. And and Thomas, one of his disciples, says, Lord, we don't know the way to be able to get to heaven when this life is over. And Jesus says in verse 6 of John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, it's all about Jesus. It's only through Jesus that we, that, that, that anyone can be forgiven of our sin that has come in the way of our relationship with God and has broken our relationship with Him and separated us from Him. It's only through Jesus that we or, or anyone can, can have a relationship with God that is restored so that God, through the power of His Holy Spirit working within us, transforms your life and mine as we walk here on earth, living, as Cheryl talked about, being uh, transformed, forgiven people of God. And it's, of course, only through Jesus that we or anyone can live forever with Him in heaven when our life here on earth is done. And that's why the news about Jesus is called the gospel, literally meaning good news. It's good news. It's the good news that tells you and me that when we believe that God loved us so much, that when God loved the world so much, that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us, and that that when we believe in him, when we put our trust in him for forgiveness of sin, we not only experience his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy, but we also can experience eternal life, salvation forever. And so how can we not tell others about Jesus? You see, it's all about Jesus. We see that it is all about Jesus in our passage today that we're looking at in the book of Hebrews this book that we've been currently studying on Sunday mornings. And today we're looking at chapters 7 and 8. And and we don't have time this morning to look in depth at at these chapters, but I I encourage you to go home and and read through Hebrews 7 and 8 and and see there how in chapter 7, the writer of Hebrews essentially talks about the Old Testament law and and the Old Testament daily sacrificial system that, that God's people lived under until that time when Christ came and went to the cross to pay for the consequences of our sin. 
And, and, and every day you see the priests there from the tribe of Levi would go into the tabernacle or later after the temple was built in Jerusalem, they would go there into the temple and, and they would make sacrifices on the altar to God on behalf of the sins of the people. And it was something that had to be done day after day after day. As you see, it wasn't a, a system that, that took care of the consequences of people's sin Forever. It, it, it didn't take care of things for eternity. And, and so it was a daily, ongoing kind of sacrificial system that was going on. It, it wasn't a perfect system. And, and, and in verse 11 of Hebrews 7, the writer of Hebrews points this out when he says, If perfection could have attain, been attained through Levitical, the Levitical priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? Now, now it's interesting that this word perfection here in verse 11 does not mean in the Greek language that the book of Hebrews was originally written in, that that it doesn't mean without flaws. Rather, what it means is it has to do with arriving at the desired end. It has to do with reaching the goal. And that desired goal, that desired end that God has in mind for people in his human family is that we be in a relationship with him that changes our life here on this earth, but also brings us home to be with Him in heaven when this life is over. God wants all of humanity, all of this human family that He has created to be in relationship with Him. He wants to establish then for us a relationship between us and Himself and between people and others and Himself that is eternal. And the writer of Hebrews says that kind of relationship can't be attained through the Levitical priesthood and through the Old Testament law. And so he goes on to talk about how there was another priest who was needed, a priest who could bring people back into a relationship with God that was eternal. And that priest, he says, is Jesus Christ. And it was needed, he says, in verses 18 through 19 of Hebrews chapter 7, because he says a former regulation is set aside because it was weak and and useless. Literally, that means ineffective. For the law made nothing perfect, he says. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And that better hope, the writer of Hebrews declares, is Jesus. Jesus. And talking about him, he goes on in verses 25 through 27 there in chapter 7 uh, to say, therefore, he is able to what? To save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. It says he sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. What this is saying is that that Jesus was perfect. He was without sin. And so he could be a once and for all sacrifice for, for all of the sins of humanity, for all who would put their faith and their trust in him. And who would receive through him forgiveness, grace, mercy, the righteousness of God that God puts upon us when we come to Christ in faith. And not only that, not only that forgiveness, but also then that eternal relationship 
that goes on with God throughout all our life and for eternity in heaven. And emphasizing that again, that that Jesus is God's way of salvation that comes to people. Listen to what he says then a little bit later in chapter 8, verses 6 through 13, when he says, But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with his people, he said, and then he quotes Jeremiah 31, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant. And so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this, he says, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. And then he goes on to show how how that new covenant that comes to us through Christ is is far superior to the old covenant. And, And that in this new relationship that God's people can now have with him through Christ who lives in us, it changes us. It makes a difference in our lives. It has an internal effect on us that is unmistakable to the world around us. And he says that when he says, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. And then talking about how everyone who knows Christ and who is in his family uh, truly knows God, he, he says, then they will not need to teach their neighbors. In other words, they'll not need to teach those who are part of the family of Christ. They'll not need to teach their relatives who are in the, in the body of Christ that you should know the Lord. For everyone, he says, from the least to the greatest will know me already. And here's the great good news of the gospel. I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. And then talking about this new covenant and this old covenant, he wraps it up when he says, when God speaks of a new covenant, it means that he has made the first one obsolete. And the writer of Hebrews says it is now out of date and it will soon disappear. And we know that it did as in 70 AD, the Roman armies marched into Jerusalem and they invaded that city and they destroyed the temple and they destroyed that sacrificial system of the old covenant as God had planned. Why? Because the new had come. The new had come. The one that was far better, far superior for the people of the world. The one that would bring us not only forgiveness of our sin once and for all, but would also bring into our lives the assurance of an eternity in heaven with God, our Heavenly Father. And people of God, because Jesus is now the way to an eternal relationship with God in heaven, rather than people being separated from Him in hell, we need to tell others. We need to tell others, not only in our community here in Salina, but we also need to go to far away places. And tell others. 
You know, sometimes I, I will have someone ask me, David, why with, with so many needs and, and, and opportunities uh, right here out our front door, with, with so many people who are unreached and, and so many people who are unchurched and so many people who are outside of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ right here in Salina, why are we going to Mexico or to Nicaragua or to Africa? It's because people everywhere need to know about Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to go back to heaven after he's been crucified and has risen from the grave. And and he's there with his followers and he's about ready to ascend into heaven. And knowing that he has said to them that he's coming back one day at the end of time as we know it to bring about the resurrection of all people and bring us who know him as Savior and Lord to be with him for eternity in heaven. Knowing that his followers ask him when it is that he's coming back. And in response, he says this to them in Acts chapter 1. He says to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I think this is a great word for us in the church today, just as it was for the disciples back then. Because what was going on back then was, was they knew Christ was coming back. And so they were all wrapped up in this idea of, Lord, when are you coming back? You see, they were getting all involved in end times theology, just like people today in our world and in our church do. And Jesus' response to that is, hey, don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about when or about how I'm coming back. But instead, you focus on being my witnesses. You focus on on sharing the good news with others. You go out into your Jerusalem, into our Salina, so to speak, and, and be a witness, as Cheryl said a few moments ago, not only by how we live our life, but also in our words. Be the complete Christian who's growing more and more each day in our relationship with Christ and who overflows with that. So the people wonder why we're different. And we then have that opportunity to share Christ with them. And not only that, Jesus says, but then wherever we are throughout our region, go rub shoulders with people in our own Judea here in the state of Kansas and go to people who are from other cultures, people who are from a culture that's different from us, people who aren't the like us people. That's what he's saying when he talks about going to our Samaria and being a witness. And then he says, go, go to the utter ends of the earth, to the opposite ends of the earth from us. Go and share Christ with others. Why? Because people of God in the next 365 days, in the next year, there will be a few hundred people here in Saline County who will die And many of them will go into an eternity without Jesus Christ. And then the next 365 days, 2.4 million Americans will die. 
And many of them will go into an eternity without Jesus Christ. And in the next year, some 54 million people in our world will die. And vast numbers of them will go into a Christless eternity. If we care, we've got to be a people who share about Jesus with others. For you see, we were made for a mission. We were made for a mission here to people in Salina and to people in our region and to people in far away places around the globe. And so as we've heard from the panel this morning, when, when it comes to this idea of missions, the scripture calls upon us to, to pray, to, to pray that God would raise up people who, who would go. That, that God would raise up people who, who like those in our panel and, and like others from our church family would, would give up the comforts of home and what is familiar and they would go. And not only would we pray, but we would also then give to be able to help others go by, by giving to our, our world missions budget that we have as a congregation and by taking that envelope that's there in, in your worship guide this morning and using that to give so that others from our congregation who can go, because maybe you can't go to a foreign place, but, but they can on a short-term basis. And it helps support them to be able to go. And then, of course, all of us, wherever we are, are called to be a witness, Jesus says to others, of what he's done in our life and what he wants to do in their life if they will turn to him in faith. And so the question for us this morning on this World Mission Sunday is, will we pray for God to raise up people to go? Will we give to help others be able to go when we can't? And will we be a witness to others? Or will we be like Moses who said to God, who, me? Or like Habakkuk who said, why me? Or like Jonah who said, not me. People of God, may we be like the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah of old, who when he was called by God, said, here am I. Send me. God, use me. Use my life. Here in Salina and beyond, if that is where you call. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, as I look out on our church family, I know that you are calling all of us to accept our mission from you. And I pray that you would give each of us the courage to do the right thing and not walk away in disobedience. God, we thank you for the privilege of being invited to be part of the greatest cause, the building of your family. And the invitation to be a history maker in this community and other places around the world where you have called us to serve. Jesus, more than anything else, 
May each of us want to fulfill the purposes you made us for. May each of us accept our mission to tell others about you. And to pray for you to raise up people to go as well to tell others about you. And to give to help others be able to go. Father, I pray that you would want to use us at any time, in in any way, and in any place. So that you through us can bring others to you. Help us, Lord, as your people and as this a part of your church family, the body of Jesus Christ. Reach more people for you. And we pray this in your name and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people in agreement said, Amen.